Hey friends, it's Jace. Oh yes, it's Char. And you're tuned in to Kiss and Tell Radio. Alrighty, here we are. Another episode of the Cat Radio. What's up, y'all? Hello. Hello. So, um, we have another guest. We do. Her She's name hot. is Carlisha Brown, mm-hmm. the activist. The businesswoman, the entertainer, the voice. Carlisha began her medical transition in public on the job right before turning 27. After a lifetime of battling depression, unstable home life, and surviving various bouts of sexual assault. Mm. While transitioning, Carlisha worked at MAC Cosmetics and in Macy's Century City, MAC Hollywood and Highland, MAC at the Grove, MAC Macy's Burbank, Come on, and Mac. she is currently right. the manager of retail cosmetics at MAC Macy's Fox Hills, as well as the face of MAC Cosmetics Trans Initiative. She will soon be MAC Cosmetics Viva Glam Ambassador. That's Viva current. Glam 25. Oh, that's current? That's current. All wow. Right. Congratulations. Thanks. Carlisha is also one of the stars of Showtime's More Than Tea documentary, which premiered in 2017 and is directed by Transparence Silas Howard. Most notably, Carlisha has been able to grow funding for the Trans Latina Coalition, APAT, and the Caitlyn Jenner Foundation by way of MAC Cosmetics. Aside from being a well-respected member of the beauty industry, she also creates beauty days for the youth at the LGBTQ Youth Center by way of MAC Cosmetics, of course. (laughs) And she lends her voice to panels and community discussions in the black queer community. She stands boldly for Black Lives Matter and Black Trans Lives Matter. Please welcome Carlisha Giselle. Oh my goodness. Yes, Carlisha. Can I first say that I love that you said Fox Hills in your bio versus Century City? No. Or no, sorry, the Culver City Westfield? Yeah, no, it's a thing. Yeah. If you... Anyone who goes to that mall regularly or is from that neighborhood, when you say Westfield, Culver City, they look at you. Mm-hmm. They know that you're that you're a transplant. Gentrified. Boo. They know that you just moved mm-hmm. here. It's the Fox Hills Mall. That's what we used to call it all the time. All That's the how I was Or that you're the it. colonizer trying mm-hmm. to yeah. take some property. Mm-hmm. No, it's Westfield, Culver City, <laughs> and they'll look at you and you're like, yes. what did I do? No, it's the Fox Hills Mall. So, Period. the weekend... How was everybody's weekend? Jason Ooh. and I, we definitely, we kicked off Friday with uh, a Black Lady Sketch Show premiere party. Uh-huh. Mm. And Saweetie performed. Mm-hmm. It was literally the most beautiful home I think I've ever stepped foot in in my entire life. It was so, in the hills. Yeah, of course, I look up everything. I looked it up. It's on sale right now for $15.5 million. It's a coin. Infinity pool. <laughs> like, the whole entire back of the house opened up. So, like, you were outside and inside the same day. Yeah. Time. It's gorgeous. it's gorgeous. They had an infinity pool. Mm-hmm. Um, the snacks were good. They they served us flatbread, on, lots snacks. of flatbread. Oh yeah, I, I go for the small bites. Jace goes for the open bar. Mm, and there was one. And you I go are to both eat. people after my heart. Yeah, I go <laughs> period. To I'll have one cocktail, maybe two. But let me tell you something. A plate and a drink. As much as those people walk around with those damn trays and that little napkin and what those little poppables. <laughs> You just pop them and keep the conversation she going. Gotta, no, no, no. Where's the other guy? Right. What's on his train? Right. Mm. I did not want the beats. There was something. I loved the beats. There would be. I don't eat beats, but <laughs> there was one. so good for you. There was mm-hmm. one. I know, but there, it's, it's something visually about them that I just don't agree with. I think they remind me of blood in a way, in a lot of ways that they're prepared. They just look like juicy, fleshy. Or innards. Doug Funny. Remember the beats? The band? Wow. 
no. Yeah. Oh, from uh, from Doug. Doug. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But oh my God, that's funny. Mm-hmm. From Doug, <laughs> I definitely have plenty of plates. And then you know, I you know, it was a typical weekend for me. I love Otherhood on Netflix. If you all have not seen oh, that yeah. movie yet, it's starring um, Felicity Huffman, who we know as Lynette Scavo from Desperate Housewives, who also got wrapped up in the right. college admission scandal. Mm-hmm. Patricia Arquette and the Queen Mother Angela Bassett. Um, it's three single widowed, some of them widowed moms in New York. Well, they Felicity havoc. wasn't single. Wait, this is on Netflix right now? Mm-hmm. She was single. No, she had a new husband. She did? That was one of the issues that she had because she kept harping over the divorce husband. Oh, I never knew she remarried. Mm-hmm. I guess because they didn't expound on that, really. I guess she they might have. She fucked him at the end. That was like her coming back and like realizing that her man was like. I must have missed that good. scene. This is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's so good. What's it called? It's original. called Otherhood. Instead of motherhood, it's called Otherhood. They're righting their wrongs with their sons in New York City and also wrecking a lot of havoc. It is mm-hmm. one of their best films, in my personal opinion. It's so good. If you all have not checked it out, check it out. I've tweeted about it. Check it out. Okay. And so that was that was basically it. I feel like I'm missing something, but y'all know. If y'all follow me, then y'all know what I'll be up to. Right. Well, we did karaoke um, this week as well as... I did karaoke too. You did? Yes, Brass Monkey. Brass Monkey? On Sunday. Oh, that's the name of the song you did. No, that's no, the, that's name, the of name of the establishment. The, I've never the been karaoke there. bar, it's fun. I thought it's it was a dive bar. Brass Monkey. Funky Monkey. Okay. We were at the good night. Yeah. In yeah. North Hollywood. I was tossed kind of. I didn't hot, do. Hot um, boy summer was wearing me out. I I'm got sorry. Too. Oh I didn't gosh. do karaoke because it was also drag night. So it was Ugh. a lot of competing. Like I was waiting in line to do karaoke. And then it was like, oh, a 30 minute break of drag shows. And then let's do three songs. Let's let three people go. And then another 30 minute of drag shows. Was and I was horrible. like, I'm, sorry. I'm leaving. It, the organization was piss poor. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a chance to. And I was really looking forward to mm-hmm. it. It was a good group too. It was like PP, TT, Jakar, um, Lewis, some of the folk in there too. <laughs> Carlisha, what'd you do this weekend? I actually prepared for my promotion. Oh, I left Fox Hills. Congratulations. On Sunday, it was my thank you. I left Sunday and I'm in this really new space with Mac as I go on this journey as Viva Glam ambassador mm-hmm. and to this trans initiative. And they, had me take a step back while still getting the same coin to have less responsibilities for the next tour season. So nice. I'm going to be, well, I now, today was my first day I'm working at uh, Baldwin Hills. Nice. And I am loving it. I love how you use your job to pay and do all the things you want for advocacy. Because of my job, I fell into advocacy. And I was mm-hmm. talking about this with a girlfriend. It's interesting when you just go on life's journey and figure your shit out once you do the self-work by mm-hmm. default you wrap back in a service yeah. absolutely i have to say that i'm a little envious over this mac thing when i was i i'm did freelance makeup i worked i was a sephora girl and i also worked at macy's just not at the mac counter i was very floater you know i was at estee lauder bobby brown i was all over and um but in undergrad in particular i tried so 
so hard to get into Mac and there was always something standing in the way. Like I'd go home to Chicago and have an interview <laughs> and then they'd call me six months later to offer me the position, but I'm back at school because I, right, I went right, to school right, out right. of state. So it was literally always something standing in the way of me and Mac. But of course that was like the holy grail of, of cosmetics. Still is for a lot of people. And I just, I fought tooth and nail to get into Mac, primarily because of the pay. They paid better than any other counter. And, um, and I just, it just never, it was never in the cards for me. Like I fought tooth and nail to get in there. So I'm happy for you, girl. But look at you now. I know. <laughs> I know. You and now. you know what? I really enjoyed Sephora. I really enjoyed Sephora because with the gratis, it wasn't particular to one brand. Yes. I was Sephora's getting Urban gratis. Decay. Yes. I was getting, I remember we had Kim Kardashian. They gave us, uh, Kim Kardashian's. Uh, fragrance, her first ever fragrance. I don't know if you all remember that. It was like pink and black bottle, mm -hmm. like back in 2009. We had it like, like the employees had it like two months before the official launch. All the girls were mad because it smelled good. <laughs> okay, this one. It smelled good. <laughs> I see you. It smelled good. Okay, I see good. what you're doing over here. But we got good skincare. Like it was a variety. It really was a variety, but and they'd surprise like us by putting it in our lockers. For Sephora in the era where, like, we would always say as Mac folk that when you walked into a Sephora, it was like <laughs> talking to a. Ro you guys were like the Surrey of the cosmetic industry. <laughs> oh, like no. I, I can like utter off everything about Mac. It was like, so tell me about Joe Blasco, and you're like, did it? But what is it? What about this fragrance oh the undernotes are <laughs> training was intense and i got in trouble because you know working in cosmetics you have to have the clear bag when you are and i had a mac i thought you were talking too much to get in trouble no 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 i had the i had a mac compact in my clear bag and my boss told me to get rid of it oh yeah i didn't get rid of it but i just put it up but they don't sell mac as no no oh wow it's at ulta now but that's like that's like within the last few years Mac is its own thing, and oh. so she was and like, "We're only in altars that are newly created because we require our own space." Really? Wow. Yeah, we're kind they of uh, cosmetic holy. Yeah, they were not. My my uh, boss, shout out to Teresa. She was a snazzy little short Italian <laughs> woman. She said, "I do not want to see that compact in my store." She said, "That's a competitor." <laughs> well, are we ready to get into the bulletin board? We surely are. All right, let's do it. So before we kick everything off, I know Carlisha has not seen it, but she says she has not, she does not uh, mind spoilers. So Jason and I are going to talk about it because of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Euphoria season finale. What are your thoughts? Whew. That show, I think is probably my favorite show this year. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's so good. Because it, it reminds me of Riverside. I grew up in the suburbs of Southern California. And so a lot of the themes in that show remind me of what was going on around me when I was in high school and all like the ludicrous and just crazy ass shit that should not be happening with 17 year olds. And so that exactly. show one, it kind of reminds me of that. And then also I think that they did a really good job at explaining each character's story because mm -hmm. obviously Rue is the main character, but each character has a very unique storyline and that all kind of ties in. With each other. They too. didn't do Nate's backstory, though. Which one's Nate? Nate is the abusive guy. He was episode two. They did a backstory mm -hmm. for him? Oh, they sure did. Yeah. They sh I, I do remember that now. Cause remember he, he was doing the pull-ups and started they, screaming? Yes, and they did the transition of little Nate mm -hmm. washing his mirror. face in the mirror. And then, you're right. Mm -hmm. I didn't go back and rewatch the series. like my daddy. Yes. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> that was the song they played. That's the name of the episode, too. Yes. And they have one named O3, Bonnie, and Clyde. They're mm-hmm. themed. Um, for me, Euphoria is the best show of this year, mm-hmm. the best new show of this year. For In particular, with the finale, um, I was a little disappointed in that, really? yes, because I felt like it left too many, it didn't tie up enough storylines for me, which I guess is good because they got rene- renewed for season two, so it can open up a lot of things, but it just... It just felt like another episode to me. It did not feel like a finale. Like I'm waiting for next week's now because they didn't tie. There's too many loose ends floating around. Mm. So um, as a finale, I was not a fan. As an episode, it was cute. But for a, for a season finale, uh, I liked it. Of I course you did. Jules is gone. Rue is sad back on drugs. I and couldn't get into it. Really? You couldn't get into Euphoria. I well, it, tried. It, it is. I, I gave it a, a gander. It is. There, it is very heavy. Um, and very traumatic, and they deal with uh, substance abuse and rape. It's and not even that. It's that one, I'm an empath and a true indigo child, like through and through. And because of the type of stuff that they're constantly showing me, my my sub psyche just mm-hmm. doesn't want to. It doesn't agree with it. Right. I just don't want that to be thrown. Energy. It's already bad enough. Like mm-hmm. our music, like mm-hmm. you're yeah. a bitch yeah. and you're a nigga. Like mm-hmm. drug dealer, slut, hoe, whore, yeah. punk guzzler. I get it. Television. Um, you just gotta have something, something to come up for air. Protect your peace, baby. Yeah. And listen, it's not for everybody. It not everybody not. likes. There's a lot of people. I tweeted about this. Um, I was wowed by the the demographic of Euphoria because I feel like they have a target demo, but it exceeds their target yeah. demo because oh, I've it's seen so vast. all different types of people fangirling for this show. But listen, everything ain't for everybody, so I respect that. But I'm not a TV person. Period. Oh. Really? Like, there's not a TV in my home. Really? What? No. Not one. No. no. I mean, nowadays it's like laptops. You watching laptops or? Um, I just borrowed someone's Netflix code like two months ago. So and why aren't you a T? Te- are you more books or what? What do you do? Uh, audio things. Activism work. No, everybody needs That's... to come up for air. No right. one's doing activism twenty four seven. I'm like a like an average day off for Carlisha would yeah. be like wake up lay in bed for like two hours with my dog with like no sound mm-hmm. just like what dog. kind of dog i have a chihuahua okay. his name is knuckles <laughs> he turned seven july um and then maybe i might go running okay like the culver city stairs so or, you're more of an outdoors mm-hmm. that's how you get your release get out the house i think because i've been to hell and back mm-hmm. i don't want to see it or be around it and comedies feel, exist carlicia but i'm also, but okay so i get i'm so like i'm such an empath that even with certain comedy i get bothered i'm like why can't it just be a simple punchline why are you making fun of yourself don't do that oh okay i'm very sensitive that way got you well let's move on to pose mm-hmm. so pose still has <laughs> two or three episodes left um, Jace, two episodes. What did you think of this past Tuesday's pose? Um, I think it was really good. I think it was definitely brought back the story and like the hype. Um, it was actually Stephen uh, Canal's debut directing, and he actually wrote it too. And I think it was really dope because one, it was groundbreaking because they had two black HIV positive men have sex on screen on FX. Like, that's huge. And that's never happened before. But uh, um, isn't there, like, a huge age gap as well? There oh, is. Oh, yes. There is. Pray tell is 45. 
and um ricky's little ricky's like 12 20 no he's not, no, he's tw- not. It's not he's, no. this ain't no r kelly girl <laughs> it looks that way he's of yeah. age but there's probably 18 19 20 yeah. somewhere in there he's somewhere in there mm-hmm. um but it was good i was definitely on my toes the entire episode um electra is still my favorite character which Boots. is the rest of the, ooh. <laughs> Boots. Yeah. For me, I, I loved the episode too, much like what you just said about how it returned to, because in all honesty, after the Candy episodes uh, with episode four, when Candy was killed off, every other episode, the past three have fallen flat for me um, because that storyline I felt was kind of abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like there was no high points in any of the last three episodes i was like and then the musical one was by far the worst listen i enjoy yeah, hearing was... billy porter and mj sing but i don't need half of an episode of them singing so um personally this is my personal you know <laughs> choice but last night well two nights ago was that two nights ago it was tuesday well yes. whatever so it'll be th- th- whatever whatever yeah. three folks tuesday, tuesday night's episode was good i was on the edge of my seat i thought it was so perfectly executed at, at uh damon's graduation party the argument yeah it that was, was a so, good scene nobody missed their mark Mm-mm. not that they do but it just was so perfect everybody was on it uh-huh. angel is getting on Facial my nerves expressions too yes angel is getting on my nerves mm-hmm. uh i still really haven't forgiven pray tell um and i don't know who my favorite character is right now right now honestly if we're gonna be honest lulu <laughs> which one's lulu lulu ferocity which one is that um candy's co-mother for the house of ferocity got you yes right now she's my favorite i'm not a fan of any of those people which one is lulu Lulu is, she's Afro-Latina, and she was Haley. with Candy. Her name's Haley Shahar, and she was with Candy, oh, no. mm-hmm. who's see? Angelica Ross. Angelica yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross okay, with. see, that's my problem. I know them by their names. Yeah, yeah. same. <laughs> yeah. So that's it on Pose. We'd be remiss if we did not acknowledge the two shootings that happened 13 hours apart from each other. Wow. In El Paso and in... Well, El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, both committed by white males. I feel like that should be noted. Um, El Paso had 22 Betty victims. White. Betty White. El Paso had 22 victims, and Dayton had nine, including initial news reports said that this guy, you know, killed his sister, but now it's surfacing that his um, brother was a trans man who I didn't get the name that he went by, but um, that's who he killed. And so what do we have wow. to say about the current state of America as, as, as far as it pertains to guns and semi-automatic rifles? Well, what we know, what we know is that the Republican Party, I think, in, was it 2014, voted against them being able to protect us from those type of... And Texas just loosened their gun laws. Mm-hmm. So that should be Correct. noted. It, it kicks in in September where they can be in schools and churches. And I should also note that there was manifestos on 8chan, which is like the dark web uh, from the murderer in Texas. He drove eight hours from Dallas to El Paso he wanted to, kill to intentionally kill. Yes. And then the other guy in Dayton, they're still, quote unquote, searching for 
emotive, but one of his high school classmates. You know what's interesting about all of ho- this? Hold on one second, Carlisha. Okay. One of his classmates mm-hmm. came out and said that he was in trouble in high school. I don't even think he was expelled or suspended, but he had a hit list in high school of people he wanted to rape slash sexually assault or murder. Like a hit list in high school, and he just went on about his stuff. But go ahead. It's just mind-boggling, first of all. We are in the worst time in America that they have literally said, like, historically, this is the most racist, horrible time that America has ever seen. But what is fascinating to me is that when 9-11 happened, uh, we focused on their race. Mm-hmm. We focused on their religion. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a Muslim band and so on and so forth. Um, when a black man does something publicly, we focus on his race. Mm-hmm. We focus on him being a thug and his poor upbringing. But whenever it's a white man, it's mental health and video it's, games. It's like mm-hmm. literally, like literally, right. there is no public. What are we going to get a, a Caucasian male band? Like, no, oh, no. that'll never. They're not that loosening up that power. They're going to lose their positions. And they're not loosening up that power. I don't know. For me, what needs to be done is we need gun reform now. I'm not someone to say, oh, take all of the guns off I the think street. It's bigger than that, but. I'm not one to say take all of the guns off the street, but no civilian needs access to military-style weaponry. I, I have always maintained that position. No civilian, you do not need that to protect yourself. You do not need no. that to hunt. No one needs access to these these 100-bullet magazines that can, you know, kill, a, you know, that can fire off all 100 bullets in 24 seconds. Right. No one needs that. So um, hopefully we can get away from the discussion. I noticed that a lot of people are challenging the Republican Party, um, including Beto O'Rourke. You know, he cursed the the, the members of the press out uh, because we need to get away from giving white men as a society, not us in particular, but society gives white men. I think us, too. You think I don't think I know I don't what I know that's now white men don't get no mental health pass from me. I see it for what it is. That, now, that's you specifically, but we can say on a higher level what has been embedded in us is to turn the other cheek, and that's almost a part of the white supremacy mindfuck that, okay, you're a bad guy, you did what you did, but I'm going to forgive you. Even with the Charleston shooting, them church members literally got up there as a family and said, yes. I forgive mm-hmm. you. Black people Why have been conditioned, conditioned. To, yeah. to rush to forgiveness instead of addressing Child, the trauma. Because religion. No. Addressing the, instead of addressing the trauma, it's a rush to forgive. And I think that that is As a part of the stupid. system that needs to be <laughs> broke. You, you can worship who, how you choose, but there's a lot of things that need to be broke that Absol- won't be broke because of the system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rest in peace to all those victims. Let's move on. We lost um, literary icon. Toni Morrison. She passed away earlier this week. I believe it was on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away in a New York hospital. She had was was battling. I think she had gotten like a little sick. Like I don't know if it was a cold, a flu, but she had gotten a little sick, and she was surrounded. I, I'm guessing people knew she was surrounded by family and friends, and she passed away on Monday. Okay. Well, she was 88. She, I know, mm-hmm. but she passed. People live longer than 88. I know, but my grandma was in the hospital for things. My grandma passed in ninety nine. But it's like that's at the age where it's like you need to like you just you know you're more aware that time <laughs> right. is ticking. Yeah, but so you still want you still want to be optimistic. I know, but no if one someone, wants to. If grandma got a cold. I'm coming to the hospital at, at age eighty eight. That's right. what I'm saying. Okay, I'm thinking you're saying grandma gets a cold, so let me start looking up her will. No, 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 no. Like it's go. okay to still well, be optimistic. <laughs> 
Right. Let me see that piece of paper right quick. Am I well, in the she's, trust? She's most Period. noted for, you know, of course, her books, Beloved, The Bluest Eye. Uh, she meant a lot to a lot of people, including myself. She is one of the black women authors who helped shape a lot of uh, black girlhood for a lot of people, mm-hmm. along with my Angelou, you know, Audre Lorde. And so, yes, rest in peace to the literary icon. Wasn't Tony. she like your um, affirmation the day before? The day she before, died? yes. On that Shut Sunday. up. On that Sunday. It was a passage from uh, Beloved, actually. And then the next day, it was revealed that she had passed on. So rest in peace to her. Did you all hear about Atlanta on FX? They got renewed for a fourth season. And they're shooting it back to back or something like that? It's the same season. Like, well, not the same season. They're shooting season three and four this upcoming spring. And I don't know how that's going to happen. It seems very stressful and a lot to memorize as an actor. But they are shooting both seasons three and four in the spring. Now, they're not scripted. Atlanta is scripted. Atlanta's not reality. um, I've worked on Love and Hip Hop and I can say that those aren't scripted. No, no, not not the reality <laughs> show. Atlanta. <laughs> not Donald Glo- Simba. There's, the, there's a there's a because Carlisha talking about Atlanta housewife seat. No, Carlisha doesn't You're watch, literally talking to your grandma. She does not watch TV. So yeah. there is a scripted show on FX that Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, has created and he stars in. Got it. it got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Summer. Mm-hmm. It premiered the same summer as Insecure. I remember. Country, but that's yes. easy to do all those seasons. That's fine. And they're doing. Um, yeah, they're shooting both seasons in... He has the biracial girlfriend. Donald Glover? In the video. In the sh- in Atlanta. Probably in real life. No, I don't he has know. a white girl. No, the well, white girl's white, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what he <laughs> dated on the show. Guess that? I don't watch the show, so... <laughs> He's even said... He- Never mind. <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen some of The Breakfast Club. Childish Gambino. American Crime Story is returning. Jason and I have been big mm-hmm. fans of this. The first season they did OJ. Last season they did Versace and Andrew Cunanan. This time they're doing impeachment, covering Monica Lewinsky, Ooh. Hillary Clinton, and William Clinton. It, and they start shooting that... I don't know when they start shooting that. I want to say 2020. I know that it premieres in September of next year. I can't wait. So I'm wait. looking forward to that. Because we were so young when that was going on. And so, well, I, we, just, I can't wait. Yeah, I was about to say. We, <laughs> well, I'm not saying anything. We were young. She looked at me like, we were what? So it's slated to premiere. <laughs> Thanks, Nana. <laughs> it's slated to premiere September 27th of next year. Looking forward to that. Beanie Feldstein will star as Monica Lewinsky. Sarah Paulson will star as Linda Tripp. And Annalie Ashford will star as Paula Jones. The season is, will be based on Jeffrey Tubin's book, quote, A Vast Conspiracy, the real story of the sex scandal that nearly brought down a president. So that sounds good and juicy. Mm-hmm. And last, well, I got two more quick stories. Did you all hear about Young Miami, a.k.a. Carisha, please? Her car got shot up in Miami. Oh, yes, I did hear pregnant. about that. This woman is pregnant. Yes. I'm like, what the hell? So Carisha was leaving the studio, um, and Miami-Dade PD got a call. This happened early Tuesday morning near Circle House Studios, and she was in her red Mercedes G-Wagon. And it was, oh, yes. And she told officers that shots came from behind her from a vehicle with the lights off. So they were sitting in the cut with their lights off. A bullet struck the spare tire of her ride, but she was not hit. She was literally leaving the studio as this happened. Could you imagine if she would have been 
injured or killed like what the hell is going on in miami i mean miami is i think that's like a normal day in miami it's just it's shocking to us because it's her and also i think it it would also add to the the it being shocking is oftentimes we don't hear of of female rappers being targets of these incidents Mm -hmm. if this were a male Mm -hmm. miami rapper i would still be like what the hell but i'd expect something like that so for it to be a a woman and a pregnant woman at that right what the hell is going on people are really heartless Mm -hmm. they are (laughs) beyond they are (laughs) We um, had two shootings in less than 24 hours. Yeah. yeah come on. <laughs> like, where do you get the gall to? But that's neither here nor there. Last but not least, before we move on, did you hear about The Little Mermaid? And I'm not talking Halle Bailey. Mm-hmm. I am talking the live action feature that is Queen happening. Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. ABC has announced that a live concert version of The Little Mermaid will air on ABC this November, November 5th at 8 p.m., the concert will be a part of ABC's The Wonderful World of Disney franchise, and this is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, ooh, I'm going to butcher her name. Ayuli Crovalho. She's the voice. She voiced Moana. Moana, yeah. She voiced Moana. She'll be playing Ariel. Queen Latifah will play Ursula. And Shaggy is playing Sebastian, That's which perfect. is literally perfect. And so, yeah, we know that every year... ABC, NBC, Fox, everybody mm-hmm. does these live. I think the last live one was Fox when they did Rent, and that was a flop. No one liked it. Right. Um, but, you know, we saw The Wiz in, in mm-hmm. previous Peter years Pan. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot about those. I wonder if that was a answer to all the racist things that happened and were said about oh, that. were mad that they mm-hmm. just figured out that the trajectory of the black dollar moves a lot faster these days. I mean, well, true, but... I just, I'm wondering if like they, because why do we need two Little Mermaids at the we same do time? Not, and we also again, don't, we're one of the biggest spenders in America. We also True. do not need this Home Alone remake that they're doing. Well, Disney, okay. what is it? One? They're remaking Home Alone. And he's black. Well, I don't know that. <laughs> Probably. They, they want all our coin, honey. They haven't do enough. not let it fool you. <laughs> they haven't announced what or who it is, but yeah. there is a Home Alone remake on the way. Macaulay Culkin jokingly sent out a funny tweet today of him at his big age, like w- playing video games and his stomach, sh- like he was eating, like, you know, like kind of disheveled. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, this is what Home Alone looks like today. today. Yeah. So uh, Disney, you Ta-da! know what? We- oh, what if it was him again? It's not, though. That would be funny. Now, that would be the smart thing to do, but I don't even think he acts anymore. And I just think is I'm just tired of these networks and these companies being lazy. There's so many fresh ideas out here. I'm so sick of reboot culture. Call me. I'm so sick of reboot culture. Mm -hmm. Same. Even commission me. I'll drum up something. Mm -hmm. I don't even have. Come on, commission me. I don't even have anything in my back pocket. But if you (laughs) approach me, I'll drum up something. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm tired of reboots no, and remakes. No, not the remake or the rubate. No. 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 Fresh are ideas. Are you ready to move on to the corner? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And now it's time for the LGBT corner. Okay, so the LGBT corner this week. Did you all hear about Equinox? Mm-hmm. So in case Every you... Every bad bitch up in Equinox. In case you did not know... The billionaire behind Equinox and Soul Cycle is a major President Trump supporter. What's new? I, who I'm is so throwing, sick of this. Are you guys serious? Who is throwing him a fundraiser this upcoming mm-hmm. Friday in the Hamptons? Then the guy that owns 
Chick Fil He's going to be there as well. Oh, well, yeah. But we knew, we, Come on. We knew about Chick-fil-A, but it, when these things become public, public outcry happens. So news of, of Stephen Ross, or Stephen Ross, is with the PH, who knows. Mm-hmm. News of Stephen Ross's pro-Trump leanings led to a furious reaction on Wednesday from left-leaning lovers of the popular clubs and caused the company to be inundated with canceled memberships. This is what a source is reporting to page six. Ross is a chairman of Related Companies, that's the name of it, which is the parent company of both Equinox and SoulCycle. Tickets for the Trump fundraiser event range from 5600 to $250,000. So I know that people, Terry McMillan, who is the author behind Waiting to Excel and Stella got her groove back and stuff, she said she called it to cancel her membership today and she called twice and was put on hold both times. But she says she gonna cut up the card like if she has to. You know, <laughs> you know Terry got some fire to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Chrissy so, Teigen? I didn't, what did Chrissy say? Chrissy went on her live um, in the middle of making... Um, some food. Some, some food. Some what delicious she, food. What's the raw, uh, the raw fish you like? Poke. Poke. Yeah, she was making a poke. poke ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was like, so I don't talk about things, but like cancel your memberships. And then someone <laughs> responded. <laughs> now, I did see the response because she posted yeah. how someone made like someone a. Someone was like, Chrissy Teigen got on FaceTime and told us. Da, 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 Can you da. believe that certain white people are calling this voter suppression? <laughs> because there was a presidential candidate's brother on the Democratic side. I can't remember his name. It's slipping my mind. Slipping my mind. It's so many of them. But anyway, he posted, he made public a lot of corporations who support Trump and people are pissed saying that it's voter suppression and shaming Goodbye. and all of this. And I should say <laughs> right. that, that this guy came out and said that he support, supports Trump because of the tax cut. And so everybody was dragging him saying, come for the tax cut, stay for the white supremacy. Right. Like, what the hell? Why would you be funding something for this monster to be reelected? <sighs> So it's causing uh, it's yeah. causing a frenzy amongst mm-hmm. a lot of progressive and liberals who do. And we I have friends yeah. that are in Equinox. Yeah, plenty. Plenty. My, my friend works at Equinox. Plenty. And I go to SoulCycle all the di- time. It's different if it's your job. And this is no shit. It's part-time. Oh, trust me. I am nervous to this day working for Mac that a scandal like this is going to pop out. It, it's diff- to me, it's different when it's your job. But as a totally. consumer, you can cut those, mm-hmm. those ties. But he also works there for the free membership. Baby. And I'm... I am Montgomery strong about everything I do. The, what I always say, the, Martin Luther King was not who he was if it wasn't for the women of Montgomery to support him for the bus strike. I am the same way with my coin. H&M ain't going to get it. Dove ain't going to get it. Equinox never had it. Chick-fil-A, not for me. It is what it mm-hmm. is. And when you know how you keep these people in power, child, I'm just going to sit back and giggle. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You, I feel like that, like most things, you have to kind of pick and choose, yeah. right? Because if we railed against every corporation that was um, right-leaning, we wouldn't have anything we to buy. We would have to create it ourselves. I mean, look at Walmart. We would have, well, yeah. Well, I don't shop at Walmart. I stopped shopping at Walmart years ago. I don't think I've shopped at Walmart since undergrad, actually. Well, they're like in America. I think they're, I think it's education medical field and then walmart is the most like employed americans in the united states of america and so like that's a lot of money so if walmart went down then that's like fun and up the economy. they're tweeting out their thoughts and prayers about the gun thing yeah and it's but like, they sell guns i think it's like the highest retailer yeah yes. they're, of in bed, guns. they're in bed with the <laughs> yes. they're they certainly in bed are. with the nra like every other major oh, corp exactly so yeah to hell with equinox and soul cycle i've done spin classes but i've never done soul cycle some of my favorite celebrities are do soul cycle and like i said i have personal friends 
one who I just talked to last week who uh, had just finished working out at Equinox because Equinox is near the studio that I do another job at. And um, yeah, I just know that Equinox was always looked at as like the elite mm-hmm. gym and all of this stuff and all the, the hot power gaze. All the hot bodies are in there, but y'all gonna have to. It, it's not looking too good for them right now. They were in. They were flooded with people canceling memberships. Yeah. So good. there's that. Good. There's that. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to move on to the first topic? Let's go. Let's go. Okay, so my topic this week comes from. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> comes from the Cut magazine, which is, I believe, exclusively a digital publication uh, today. But there's a column named "Ask Polly," more, you know, a lot like "Dear Abby" or what uh, Carrie Bradshaw had. Mm-hmm. You can write in the and they'll ask questions. And so, in short, before I read this letter, because it's not long, but before I read it, I want you to know that, in short, this woman's family is trying to kill her. And we're going to talk about how we'd handle that. Okay. So, dear Polly, I have a very severe allergy to mushrooms. I carry an EpiPen and I have been hospitalized multiple times because of the exposure to this food. One time I began convulsing in an ambulance on my way to the hospital. My husband politely explained this to his parents when we started dating and I was invited to family meals. Since then, most meals we have shared at my in-laws' house have had very limited options for me. Somehow, they managed to find a way to add mushrooms to almost everything. One time, they made a point to make a special plate of mushrooms and pass it around. My mother-in-law said, very rudely, I would have liked to add the mushrooms directly to the salad, but somebody has problems with it. They even added mushroom powder to the mashed potatoes at one holiday dinner. Oh, my God. My mother-in-law claimed it was a new recipe she'd found. I literally held my breath as the mushrooms passed in front of me at the table that day. That was extremely dangerous for me. That food could kill me. What's worse is my husband told me that mushrooms were not a common dish served by his parents before he started dating me. When I was pregnant, my husband told them we would not take part in any family meals if they didn't promise to keep meals allergy-free. His dad said, we can't promise that. Everyone except for your wife likes mushrooms, and we're not changing what we eat for one person. My husband's sister even called me up angry about the fact we would not be attending a party at her parents' house, yelling that I was overreacting and mushrooms are, quote, not a poison. This has caused a huge wedge between my, fa- my husband's family and us. We no longer spend holidays with them and rarely speak. They don't even see their grandkids, even though they live very close. His sister stopped talking to us. He had a brother who still reaches out and is kind to us, but he acts as though his parents are just set in their ways and we should forgive and move on. Short of taking them a doctor's note, telling them my allergies are real, I'm not sure what I should do. My husband supports me 100%, and he is very angry and hurt by their actions. But at times, I feel terrible that I am the cause of this rift. I just want a happy family. Help, signed, disrespected daughter-in-law. Oh, there is no help. If you don't take the hint, they do not want you there. Period. They don't want to her on the earth. Like, Period. Not only at the table, but not on this planet. 
Um, no, that's just not in that house. So, do not come over <laughs> if you did not get that memo. Yeah. Well, no, because that's risking her life. I'd say not on the planet. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, they're trying to kill her. Um, if she's convulsing because of mushrooms but and y'all. Pause. The only way she is killed if she enters home. Mm-hmm. Right? True. They do not want her in, stay out. Or they're you're not eat looking at the repercussions of this, but go ahead, Jace. Um, I think she's on the right track with not going. I don't think she should feel bad at all. I would consider a divorce, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Um, because I think that I can't imagine having a husband and then my husband's family trying to kill me. That's just too you much. You should talk to my father's wife. Oh, God. She was my babysitter. Okay. Oh. Jesus. That says a lot uh-huh. without saying nothing at yeah. all. Okay, yeah, I, I got <laughs> you. Entire family. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just way too much. And, I mean, I've, I'm kind of curious to know they're married now with kids. What was the conversation, even without the mushrooms, even with dating? Like this, obviously they've been together for a very long time. This is nothing new. Well, she mentions in the letter <clears throat> that while they were dating, it was mentioned to the family. Yeah, but I'm saying like, what what were they doing to try to kill her or mm-hmm. express that they didn't like her prior to trying to poison her with mushrooms? It does sound like a really interesting constructed letter painting her as right. Victim. Like, was it, is this new that they don't like her? Like, I don't. I'm yeah. Like, so it has that, that part's weird, but I would definitely consider divor- uh, divorce mm-hmm. because my life take your take your kids like. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And definitely, I wonder if and it, don't feel bad at all. I wonder if her children has any of the mm. allergies and how that would show up. Because a lot of times when yeah, the when the family don't like you, they still like the grandbabies. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how that shows up. Go ahead, Carlisha. <laughs> I'm 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 for the the divorce. You th- that's mm-hmm. what you would advise for her. Mm-hmm. I advise for her just to wake up and smell the coffee because if you didn't start noticing that the parents didn't like you early on and you're trying to force something, you sound like a delusional female. Well, I don't think she's trying to force it because she stopped going there. They, they don't go there anymore, but it's caused a rift between her husband and his family. It only takes two mushroom dishes before I'm out. She says several mushroom dishes were passed <laughs> in front of her. There was mushroom potatoes. Powder. There was mushroom powder. She was powder. naming, like, yeah. how many times do you have to? And something tells me that mushroom It's not powder, poison, right? Mushroom powder seems <laughs> flavorless. Right, like, so Like, to add to mashed potatoes, <laughs> of all things. It's like <laughs> but it's a new Rat recipe. poisoning. It's like, a new po- uh, season, uh, a, new, a um, new recipe recipe that mom-in-law found. Child, yeah, no. They're trying to take her run. out. And, and I would also I question my husband. That's cute. Because if my husband is still even entertaining his family for trying to kill him, because he's trying to kill anybody. Yeah. Like, like this is literal life or death. Yeah. like This no, is literal life or literal. death. Literal. This ain't no little hee-hee-ha-ha, no, little no. prank type thing because you just don't like the texture of okra Mm-mm. or you don't like the sight of a mushroom. This is for real <laughs> life or allergic. death. Follow a rem- police report. Remember um, Mrs. Doubtfire when uh, Robin Williams tried to kill the, the, um, the oh, boyfriend? The, the, the date and had to uh-huh. give him the Heimlich. I think it was like cayenne pepper he was allergic to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and put it in the dish. Do you think Thank that the God husband holds some responsibility in Absolutely. this? Um, I do. I don't know what I'd do in that situation. I know my family would be getting cursed smooth the fuck out. And I do not blame him for not interacting with, with them. But I'm, I do wonder, much like your point, your initial point, Carlisha, is I think it speaks volumes for the entire family just not to deal with her. Like how the brother kind of comes around, the sister don't do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm wondering if she did something. That exactly. Regardless of what she might have done, 
I don't think that anything creates space for attempted murder. No. Well, I don't know if it creates space <laughs> for attempted murder, but that's, I can tell you every deep. time I don't I don't have a relationship with my father because of his wife. Now, me and my father could get along, but when your wife is 10 years older than me mm-hmm. and she looks at my sisters as a threat and has literally divided because she can't separate why my father's daughters are calling their father because she looks at them because they're the same age as a threat that there is literally this sick divide and he's choosing to stand by his wife Mm -hmm. i may not want to murder her but when i look at her i I would love for her to stop breathing wow i mean to each their own i've never been in that situation so i don't even know what i what i feel you know right Mm -hmm. Um, that's why when you said her side of the story it just sounds no you said it there's yeah. something missing. Yeah. Even still, girl, get out. I think we're all on the same page when we say file for divorce. I'm going to give her mushroom. Don't eat <laughs> anything. Unless, I'm going to call her Regina and give her mushroom. Don't eat anything unless you prepare it. If a mysterious cake pops up on your on your uh, doorstep with the post-it, don't do any Mm-mm. of that that foolishness. That sounds. I can imagine Wrong dealing girl. with something like that. I could not imagine dealing with something like that. It sounds absolutely absurd and maddening. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to start with mine? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So, my topic is surrounding. Um, so, first, I saw a video on Twitter last week when a guy proposed to his girlfriend, um, and she said no. And it had they had camera people that had a boom recording everything, and she said no kind of like cried and then walked away and it was just like everyone's recording has their cell phones out it was a mess i saw that mess of a video yeah um and so i was watching Wendy williams my girl um <laughs> i love her she's, she's hilarious um but somebody had the same problem it was a girl she was 21 and she said that her boyfriend of four years so they're dating since they were 16 um proposed to her and she was just like i didn't take the ring and now they're still together um, but they're trying to figure out what's the next steps. Like, do they, do, she's like, I don't know. Like, should I date other people? I'm 21 years old. This is my first boyfriend ever. Wendy suggested that they break up and she runs because Wendy's very old school. It's like, no, live your life, live your twenties. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to know if you were to get proposed to and you were not ready, what would you do? Does that mean as quick chop the relationship is over does it mean that you guys are going to work it out or you know how the conversation like what does that look like for you i'm, I'm on my knee proposing to you and you were not ready do you say <laughs> yes just to you know cool it down and then talk about it later and have a really long engagement like what does that look like okay so i need to know more about my partner okay so am i like really in love with this person like best friend status yeah that's your boyfriend but there's like your boyfriend. That's the person. That's the person that you want to be. Well, that you want to be with, but you don't necessarily want to marry. Yet, you're you're still this figuring is, it this out. This is about you, not your partner. Mm-hmm. If you're not ready yet, right? And they they and they're ready to get to married you in a grandiose style. Mm-hmm. This ain't in your apartment in the kitchen. This at the food court at Fox mm-hmm. Hills. <laughs> With the oh. flash mob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, throw back to 07. Mm-hmm. Oh, remember flash mobs were all the rave. Right. Um, the Home Depot one. That's hard because I feel like I know for me, I'm the type of person, if I'm with someone, 
if I'm committed to someone and I am in a relationship, I'm in it to win it. That's just my personality. So if my partner was to propose to me, I would say yes. I couldn't spend that much time with someone and call them my boyfriend if I didn't see them also being my husband. Mm -hmm. So what if, if it was not, just like a what if it's not a lot of time? What if he proposes, y'all been dating, and he proposed after four like months? Like a year. Yeah, a see, year. I could, I could do a year, you but what was yours? Four, four to six months. See, six months, I would know. I think at the four-month mark, I would probably, gosh, the Virgo. <sighs> I need to write a list and itinerary. <laughs> Hold on. I need to wait this out. I'm getting nervous. Okay, Miranda. Seriously. Um what if the ring was bomb? It's n no, it wouldn't be about that. It would be if I say no, then I would already I would already start thinking about their feelings and how crushed that they would be, and I would just have to call. What it are off. you trying to work it out? I would have to call it off. You have to call the whole relationship if off. If I'm saying no, mm -hmm. then yeah. I'm saying no. I have the whole thing's over. Yikes. I have to say that I potentially agree with that because for starters, I agree with Wendy. I don't think it's old school to tell someone in their 20s to go date and date frequently in their 20s. You should not be locked down with the ring. My personal opinion in your 20s, especially if you only had one boyfriend. I don't agree. I know a few people who got married early in their 20s and they're now divorcing. You know, um, I think Ain't that wrong with divorce. I think that, but 20s are, you know, that's a, a lot of people's primes where you're going to have, you know, the nice body and the tight face and you need to date and date frequently. Um, and date no one too. needs to be tied down, you know, with back to school lists <laughs> at 26. And she was a student, mind you. Oh, no, ma'am. And you said she's 22? She was 21. Oh, girl, please. <laughs> if you don't live your life. But anyway, um, for me, um, if someone proposed to me and I'm not ready, um, in a public fashion, I always go back and forth with this. Um, I think personally to spare their feelings, I would publicly say yes. And oh. then we would discreetly behind closed doors. I'd have to tell them, listen, I know I said yes, but, but listen, however, cause I'm not, I'm not a fan <laughs> of embarrassing people. And if I like you, you know, I don't want to embarrass themselves. I don't want to embarrass you on a public scale. I never want to be responsible for anything like that. Um, especially if you're asking for my hand in marriage. So I would publicly accept and then, but there's a, there's pros and cons that come with everything. Because if you publicly accept, then everybody that was there to witness it is now expecting the next step. But I'm just not a fan. I can't imagine myself, even as cold as I can be, I cannot <laughs> imagine myself publicly shaking my head saying no. I would fake a seizure. You would fake a seizure? <laughs> just faint? He would say, baby, I love you. I was like, oh, it's good. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't imagine that. Also, um, just collapse. I don't think, I even in the most mature relationships, I find that I think that it would be nearly impossible to bounce back from turning down a proposal. Mm -hmm. That's how I, I don't feel. think that we could hit a reset and be like, well, let's work towards it after I've told you no. Um, even if that's behind closed doors. I just think that the, the relationship, if, I, if, I, if I'm not in the driver's seat to cut it off firsthand, it's going to fizzle out. And that's yeah. going to be even more painful instead of just nipping it in the bud right here you go your way i go Oof. mine there's no hard feelings but i know how this is going to end because mm -hmm. you know the male ego is very fragile very fragile crack and i have no time for any you know nonsense because you mad and 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 your ego's bruised 
And that's just that on that. So, yeah, that's, that's my personal stance on it. I would, I know that every situation is different. Yeah. But I just don't see myself ever being able to publicly humiliate, I should say, a partner who felt, because you have to work up a lot of courage to publicly propose to someone. Yeah, and money. Yeah, well, depending. Mm, yeah. Depending. You could have proposed to me at, at uh, you know, the Beverly Hilton lobby or something. You know, it doesn't Crab have, shack. It doesn't have to be this this grandiose flash mob, you know. Yeah. Well, in the video, he had, like, a production crew there, like, yeah. filming. Yeah, we don't even need that. That you was see how pressure. He was applying the pressure. He yeah. was like, chick, you're marrying right. me. And she said, why are you doing this to me? And she still said no. And she still said no. She still said no, yeah. Because he cheated. That is the thing. You, It does add a pressure if right. there's a, a goddamn filming crew in my face. It's kind of manipulative And not just bit. the, oh, duh. <laughs> And not just the iPhone 10. We don't need a professional mm -hmm. camera. Boom. <laughs> Literally. <Do you> know? <laughs> the way the technology is set up on these phones, you could have had a GoPro and mm -hmm. we would have been. We don't need a full camera crew like we're filming a damn show. So it was. It does add pressure and it is a emotional manipulation. Mm -hmm. So um, Yeah. Um, especially when they know. It's different if they're like in the background somewhere taking pictures, you know, paparazzi camera lens. You know, to have the picture, because I've seen that before. It's usually those kind of situations when you start seeing, like, the boom, the cameraman, everyone start coming out of the, like, the wall. After they say yes. But they know that the person's going to say yes. It's like, we, we, right. we're well, going to capture this moment, because, right. you know, but you've that's, been... that's totally different than someone asking you with all of that present. Right. Because right. The, the pressure's off if after I say yes, and now all of the camera crew comes out. Right. Because I said yes mm -hmm. with no, with none of that... Hufflepuff around me now if it's all around me while you're asking mm -mm. yeah mm -mm. so for me first of, first of all don't propose to me in public like I want really yeah no nah, that's not for me really I think I want that to be I mean I'm I want the wedding for sure but the actual proposal and the agreement of like we're gonna do this I want that to be private and don't a lot of couples not to interrupt but don't a lot of couples have this conversation prior to the Bingo. proposal exactly that's what i'm like, saying you don't spring, like usually you don't spring a proposal on someone and then really quickly before you go jace my big thing is not that i'll ever be proposed to but Sharp. my thing my thing is do not do it on a holiday or my birthday oh because it takes away from because if so, yeah. I just don't want that. Uh, yeah, because then you think about that every single 4th of July. Do that not propose. Could, could you imagine a New Year's <laughs> proposal for me that neighbors my birthday? Hell no. <laughs> I don't want that. Don't do Memorial Day. Don't do Juneteenth. Don't do Get Labor out. Day. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of superstitious with that. Don't do my birthday. Don't do my mama's birthday. You better pick a random right. Tuesday. You need to get my mo that bitch. In October. <laughs> Don't, do not, but go ahead, Jace, whatever um, you were saying. Yeah, and so just to piggyback off what you said, like, it should not be a surprise. If it's happening, it should be, it'd be a surprise when. I agree. Because if we're not yes. having that conversation prior to, exactly. hey, are we going to do this? Like, you, we sh I should not be caught off guard with the ring without prior conversation mm -hmm. about actual marriage. Because at the end of the day, it is a contract, contractual agreement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, do I, I, I could be with somebody for a very long time and never get married. And so I think the conversation of marriage needs to happen before an actual. I'm like I'm all down for like the cutesy, you know, rose petals or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that could be that's mm -hmm. cool, but the conversation needs to be a very sit down corporate. It be a surprise. Give me yeah. my briefcase and my laptop and let's write this shit out because like what does this look like? Are you doing prenup? Um, it depends on how rich I am. I think I'd do a prenup in any situation, even if he's more rich than me. Really, I wouldn't have any issue signing a prenup. I would sign a prenup. I mean, it, it would definitely have to make sense. 
So remember, even like I mean, obviously. I mean, nothing stupid, but yeah. I don't think in my mind I don't see myself like some people say presenting a prenup takes the romance out of the situation. No, I don't, but I don't agree with that at all. Let me tell you something: it does not take the reality out of the situation. It's a contractual agreement. Yeah, this is a this is a, a, a and so even if we do split and I leave with everything I came into the marriage with, I need to be clean cut. Mm-hmm. And you'll still likely end up playing, paying alimony anyway, <laughs> or spousal support oh, oh if I get used to a certain lifestyle. So come on, certain lifestyle. I mean, listen, I can provide for myself, but if you know, that's how the judge rules. If mm-hmm. if, if I have a certain lifestyle that I've been a, accustomed to for a certain amount of years, and and we split, I'm still you still gonna end up breaking me some off in the end mm-hmm. anyway. Remember when Mariah Carey uh, sued her ex fiance like an inconvenience for wasting fee? Your time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, only Bless MC her. can get away with that. But yeah, Bless but her. that's your right, Stan. Uh, don't do another damn public apo- uh, proposal. And I think for me, if I'm not ready to marry you, if let's just say we, don't, we never had the conversation and you were just really excited about, you know, spending the rest of your life with me and I really like you and I, I want to, but I'm not ready yet, I would say no, but hopefully they would be open if their ego is not too broken to have a conversation right. be- of keeping it together. Because a fun story, speaking of this, while we were speaking about the maturity of relationships, um, Oprah and Stedman. Op- Stedman had proposed to Oprah. She accepted, and then she backed out, and they're still together. Mm-hmm. She said she just could not do it. I think the analogy that she used was that she didn't have cold feet. She had cement blocks around her feet. Just the thought of marriage she didn't have she literally right. she was going to be a runaway bride yeah and you know she and Stedman are still together and it's to good this to day. know that prior to because you will not that's get your gotta, deposit back that's why you got to do do the work to get to know yourself mm-hmm. and you will not especially once the caterer is booked it's Look, a wrap sweetie caterer venue limo it's a wrap sweetie Bentley so let's move on to conversations with Carisha I mean, I said Carisha. I'm still thinking of um I'll be Carisha. No, I'm still <laughs> tell me, tell me about her. No, I'm still thinking what, of What is uh, my core character? Listen, I'm still thinking of uh Young Miami from City Girls. Her name is Carisha and that's I'm my type that's and I am type. with That's the wrong song. Whatever. It's all the same song. <laughs> and they I all am, sound the same. We are in conversation with Carlisha. Carisha, we hope you're doing Carisha on the mic. Right, you and the baby. We hope you and the baby are doing great. Not the baby, the rapper. <laughs> Okay, so Carlisha. Yes. <clears throat> so you have quite the interesting story. You provided a very lengthy bio that I had to whittle down to, to read for on air purposes. But do you mind, I guess, kind of explaining to us exactly what your journey has been? I know that you were born in um, San Luis. Where San Luis Obispo. Where's that at? Oh, yeah. It's mid California. It's wine country. Oh. It's kind of by Napa. There's right a college outside out of Santa there. Barbara. Mm-hmm, Cal Poly. Agriculture. Okay, so if you don't mind. Jamba Juice came from San Luis Obispo. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. we love a smoothie. Aloha pineapple. If you don't mind, because I know that you've had some, some, um, some trauma that you've had to unpack in your life. Yeah. If you don't mind in particular, we're going to do this in, in chunks. So okay. what was childhood like for you? That's a great question because childhood is something I generally don't talk about. If you ever look at anything I've done, mm-hmm. I generally start it from like my transition on. Really? And it's well. Be- do you mind sharing? Oh, of course. Today? Okay. And it's because the childhood was the most traumatic. Um, like I was sharing, uh, by the age three, my parents were divorced by way of my father sleeping with my babysitter um, mm-hmm. because my mother, who was from LA, and we lived in uh, at that point Morro Bay outside of uh, San Luis, she left to LA, and my dad 
being heavy into narcotics, got the lady that worked at the um, liquor store to come in and watch us. So okay. she was the, the you know, the we'll call her the Project Nympho. Okay. Whoa. You, she got around it. Okay. The stories Listen, are out. The happens. cat's out of the bag, Regina. Oh, God. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So from that, from that moment on, um, from three on, it was just, you know, my parents were using the kids as pawns. There was a lot of court cases. I'll never forget um, when I was in Head Start and my mom illegally took me out of San Luis Obispo and moved me to Sacramento without telling the courts. My father decided to play the chess move of you, you kidnapped the kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of my trauma regarding my parents started on that date. Uh, we were doing a play, The Little Engine That Could. I played Raggedy Andy. And I, it was like a meme moment. Like we just had the, the faces. And mm-hmm. I remember holding the face and looking into the audience like, where's my mom? My mom's going to be here. All the kids are there like singing their parts to their mom and their dad. Mm-hmm. And like I just kept looking around. I kept looking around. My mom never showed up. How old were you around this time? I was in Head Start, so right before kindergarten. Okay. Four-ish, five-ish, yeah. Yeah, well... It's crazy how you remember distinct (laughs) moments, even at those ages. Yes. My earliest childhood memories are are four. Mm -hmm. This one was... Like, I remember the moment, but, like, little minor things around it, I can't... It's like, this Mm -hmm. is like a block of time, and then everything else became a blur after that, because it was just fucking crazy. So I remember, we like, the kids all went out to their ki- to their parents and everything, and then the next thing you know, the principal comes and gets me and goes, I need you to come with me. So I followed the principal, and it seemed like the hallway was, like, forever. I go into the room. My sister's in there with, the, like, a nurse or something, and she's crying, and she's like, it's going to be okay. My sister's four years. My senior, her name's Carla. We're all starting with C's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Carla was like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'm literally just blank. What is going on? I'm still wondering why isn't my mom right. here to watch my me play. play. I was Raggedy right. Andy and I served that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Baby. Um, and basically they said, uh, your mom made a poor decision and uh, you're going to have to go live with your father. But your dad can't come and get you yet. So you two are now on your way to a halfway home. What? So t- Right. Oh, wow. So they put me and my sister in the back of this van. and There was uh, no aunt or uncle that could have? My father uh, played very shady. There gotcha. was someone that could have taken us in Sacramento, yeah. but he, as the sole provider, right. was like my mother or father, and I should have been yeah. in San Luis where my mother said that she was. Right, right. But this was just all like, you know how parents are in these situations. Mm-hmm. So I end up in that halfway home for like, Two weeks, I didn't see my sister. It was just crazy. I remember, like, my little cot I slept on it. It was just, like, a honestly, a, a weird little daydream. And then from the moment I went to my father's house, that's when, like, the real drama started. Mm. He noticed by the time I moved in that there was something different about mm-hmm. me. So he mm-hmm. likes to say he noticed that I was feminine. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, stand up straight, relax, you know, fix your hand. Toxic masculinity was introduced. Baby Christianity was introduced. Yeah. Ooh. And then I mean, they go hand in hand. Baby. In a lot of cases. <laughs> so just living with my father, looking like my mother and the other woman hating the fact that my father went out of his way to get this child in mm-hmm. their their little perfect home. Right. It was like I was the blunt of the punching bag. I would I, I got my ass whooped for no reason. Mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting because I became an entertainer by way of them just wanting me to go. They found an after-school program that they put me into dance. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And the dance teacher was like, oh, my God, this child has so much. They're yeah. like, take them. Ta- right. 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 <laughs> take them. We don't yeah. want them anymore. Yeah. So literally it was like I was dancing six days a week from the age just of. Just being out of the house. Yeah, from the age of like seven till 11. And then by the age of 11, I left my father's house because it just. He was kicking my ass nonstop. Just, just ran, just, and this was rooted in you being feminine. Yes. Feminine presentation. Well, the worst ass kicking I got was because I took sun in and sprayed it in my hair in junior high. And what is sun in? It dyes your hair. It's like a lemon juice. Okay. Temporary dye. Lightens your hair a little bit. Uh All the little white girls in my school were doing it. And I said, oh, I want to be like flower. So, honey, bring me one of those little sun and sprays. I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. So my hair turned auburn. Okay. And I had that really bad, like, biracial kid haircut where they shape it. Because it's like no one took mm. the time to learn how to do my how hair. I did this hair, right? Right. So, and it was just long and curly. And I came home. My dad, like, took a double take. And he was like, what's wrong with your hair? And I was like, oh, nothing. <laughs> and this is temporary. It comes out. No, it, it's like a lightweight dye. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And then the next thing you know, he was like, uh-uh, we're cutting your hair off. And, you know, you don't want to cut the curls. So yeah. I was like, hold on, dad, leave me alone. Blah, blah, blah. A lot of trans women have trauma around their hair. If they had hair growing up, a lot. Janet Mock actually talks about that in her first book. She does. Um, with her father um, cutting off her hair because she was exploring her femininity as mm-hmm. well. And, and yeah, and, and that was her only agency at the time. That was her direct right. link to what she perceived, the, the womanhood, the girlhood, the femininity. You cut my hair, it's over. That, that's her walk, though, but mm. go ahead. Mm. So he told me I was going to shave. My, it literally became like a family discussion. My, my brother and sister and my eldest brother literally came into the living room. They were kept telling him, like, Dad, calm down. Dad, calm down. Leave Carlin alone. And. He literally like lunged at me because I was mm. screaming at him, leave me alone, don't touch my hair. He grabbed me by my hair and my mouth and then slammed me against the wall and just started punching me and kicking me. This, that's just the top of the, like, the story. Oh God. Okay, Jesus. so eventually I sit down, I get my, sh- my, hair, my hair cut. This is how fucked up the situation was. I go to school. Mm-hmm. My father slapped me so hard there were hand marks oh across my, my face. This little girl goes, what happened to you? I go, my dad hit me. She went and told all the little girls that I wanted attention and I slapped myself. That's the rumor that got, right. That's the rumor that got to my parent, that got to my teacher. My teacher then calls my dad and then my dad tells me, so you're going around spreading. When I tell you that was another ass whooping. Then I have to go to church with these welt marks. Sister Thomas. Yes, Sister Thomas. I called you. Mm -hmm. She goes, what happened? And I go, my dad hit me. Well, you probably were doing something wrong. At that oh, moment is when Jesus I imploded. Christ. I literally was like, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. And not to mention during that time, I had been molested twice by my mother's husband's cousin. And they lived okay. around the corner. So there was just, it was just so you much so lot. fast. Yeah. It was like childhood was, was essentially was, robbed from you my in a lot childhood of was insane which is why i think i am the way i am today where i just kind of like and you're super yeah. empath yeah like mm-hmm. just doing my thing so fast forward um age from age 11 to 18 
you were in Sacramento with your mother, mm-hmm. and that was a little rocky too. Do you want to go into detail about that? Because I'm reading that you know that's where you kind of like really battled with gender identity and yes. your sexuality. What what was that like? So Ronald? that's a really interesting chapter because uh, at 11 I came home from dance practice and it was like a usual routine. I would ride my bike. No one was at the house. And I would kind of walk into my room, do my chores, go to bed. Mm -hmm. But that day I walked in, the door was open. The house seemed really eerie. I go into my bedroom, all my drawers are open, and there's bags with my stuff in it. So I kind of walk out, I walk to the front of the house, and I see that my dad's in the van. And I go into the van, I'm like, Dad, what's going on? He goes, go get your stuff. I go grab my bags. I sit him in the back seat. We literally drive from San Luis Obispo to Sacramento. How long of a drive is that? It's a six-hour drive mm-hmm. in dead silence. <sighs> That's like Chicago to St. Louis. In dead silence. And my father is, you know, he's like 6'3". At that time, he was very, mm-hmm. you know, healthy and stocky, you know, strong black man. And literally, like, what is he about to do? He's like, is he going to push me out over here with no, his I cows? Would, I would, like, yeah, this is like, crazy. It's over. Right. My stuff is here. Yeah. And I already knew that he read my journal because my bed had been tilted. And mind mm-hmm. you, in my journal, I was in love with my dance teacher. His name was Steven. So that was me at a very early age kind of going down this journey of figuring yeah. out you my were sexuality. at this time. Right. So that is, because I kept a journal too. And that is such a invasion of privacy and it was the green it's it said uh journal and it had a lock yes i got mine from scholastic book fair mine come on scholastic (laughs) book fair honey all the books and Mm -hmm. mine had little uh golden retriever puppies on it i hate you and (laughs) of course you did and uh that's where i vented and what's funny enough side story my mom uh sent me a screenshot because she found it a few years ago (sighs) did she read it yes she did and she found it was an entry permission no, <laughs> it's my mom. And so in there, it was an entry that I was like, I hate my mom. She's getting on my nerves. And so I was like fourth grade. <laughs> I love it. And she sent me that and, and was like, and was teasing me about yeah. it. But I love it. But yeah, I, I bared something like I had my first uh, crush and things like that, but I was unaware of um, sex. So it was nothing. It yeah, was innocent. It, was okay, so yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I want him to ravage my guts. And in that's, fourth a, grade. that's a great point because oh I had started being touched inappropriately by the age of eight. Sex right. to me was a little skewed and it was mm-hmm. it didn't take me to actually dealing with the trauma mm-hmm. to understand that my cousin who molested me that was not romantic yes yeah and that took me a really long time because even to this day mm-hmm. there is a keith sweat song that was playing the day he touched me oh. and in my head yep. it's still romantic and i have to challenge myself yeah to say carlisha that's not funny that was predatory yeah. he took something from yeah, yeah. you'll mm-hmm. never honestly know nothing romantic about intimacy because of that man robbing that literally i'm always chasing a sensation because mm-hmm. i don't know the that 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 like the depths of that kind of touch or what it means to be involved with someone yeah. on a mental and spiritual level. At eight, I just wanted to like yeah. do that to me again. I would, I would, yeah. I would wow. say okay. Well, if you're not, then hey, let me show you what my cousin did to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wouldn't say that you. Um, and I'm no professional, I think that you should aspire to still getting to know that level of intimacy. And I think that you can oh, achieve that. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I would, today. I wouldn't throw that out for you. That's what I'm saying. Because you made it seem like you... Oh, you, no, 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 no. You know, yeah. I, I believe, like, the way I believe in love is on, like, a spiritual, mental, good, emotional good. level. And it has to be... Hold on, we're getting, like, 10 more minutes. Okay, okay, one second. So, um, 
What was I saying? We're going to pick back up. Uh, you were saying that love is spiritual for you. Love is spiritual for me. And it, like, it has to be a, a deep, heavy connection for me to drop the walls. The walls are what's high. But I love hard. Um, but as far as like the way my dad dropped me off after all of that at my mom's house, my mom never knew I was coming. My mom never wow. prepared for me. Okay. So, so that was unfair to her. So mm -hmm. as I'm getting dropped off, my mom literally goes, what are you doing here? And I go, dad's down there. And she screams another like moment that's like, pounded in time. Carlton, what am I supposed to do with him? My mom doesn't want me. My dad doesn't want me. At this point, again, I implode. So when yeah. I lived with my mother, she introduced me to my cousin who's also trans. His name is now Jackson. And Jackson kind of took me under his wing and he was mm -hmm. exploring his gender and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And being with Jackson, I started exploring my gender and sexuality. So not having a parent or parental guidance at such a young age going on this journey, it became a very wild time. Yeah. I started escorting and prostituting about 15 because mm -hmm. that's what the girls in the neighborhood yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was a crazy there were no, situation. There were no other signs of visibility unless Baby. you were either a, a punchline and a joke or sex work. Baby. There were no possibilities that you could be X, Y, and Z. So I totally understand. It was, it was just such a wild time. I was like drinking in, in, until like six o'clock in the morning, like literally a child reckless. Were and you in school at this time too? I should have been. Not, I, you know, honestly. Okay. You were enrolled, but you weren't going. Yeah. yeah. No, I even, yeah. I mean, between... 11 and 18, there was prostitution. There was a battle with crystal methamphetamine. There was, wow. um, I was married at 18. There was just, when I tell you the amount of sexual partners I had, because again, I didn't understand the importance of intimacy and yeah. how you should mm -hmm. cherish something like that. I was always constantly handing my body to someone but in this really fucked up way, like love me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Which is hoping not that uncommon. in that moment, yeah. I could feel something. And if you didn't give it to me the way I needed to feel, mm -hmm. I'm going to the next It's person. not uncommon. I yeah. often tell, you know, people, this is no secret, um, especially prior to transitioning, because I was always very feminine and gender non-conforming. And right. one would even say yeah. maybe non-binary. When I was with <laughs> men who made me feel the most feminine, I l rolled out the red carpet for them. The mm -hmm. biggest turnoff was a man who might have wanted something from me that I wasn't open to giving, if that makes sense. Right. And so, um, and so, yeah, I can relate to that in that aspect. It was really twisted. Um, but in a very twisted way, it made me live very fast and see the world through very unique eyes. So by 18... By 18. Mm -hmm. By 18, when I met my partner, who I was getting, uh, that I ended up marrying he noticed that I was in this like gender fluid space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he even questioned like, do you dress up? Do you do drag? Cause at that point I hadn't quite been trans, but uh, I was the girl that would dress up with the other drag Queens and we get dressed up on Friday and they take it off at night. But maybe yeah, for the rest of the month, right. I would stay <laughs> you know, dressed look, up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just needed to be her get and to wake up as her. Right. And you know maybe the, some of the girls would slip me pills here and there. You know, there's a running joke that every Halloween, there's <laughs> someone who gets up in gigs and, and never gets up. <laughs> Her name is Carlisha. Mm -hmm. And that's and a real deal. Today. Holy right. fuck. But when I met my partner, he literally made me make this choice. Either it's going to be drag or it's going to be me. And because I had never had a partner or someone to love me, and this man was willing to give me everything, I abandoned self. 
Wow. And that's where my story picks up for like anything you, if you were like watch more than tea, it literally picks up at that moment. Right. I never talk about what I just So you shared. suppressed who you really were for, for romantic yeah. validation. Yeah. For Ike Turner. So he wow. was physically abusive. Baby. Okay. So my previous self, Carlin, I was like 185 pounds, super buff, you know, very masculine because I felt like no one could see or know who I really was. I was so nervous yeah. that people could tell that I yeah. was mm-hmm. hiding something. And my husband at the time was 5'8 and about 250 pounds. And he was this really chunky but Latino boy. But to me, he was someone that was giving me the world, someone that loved me, mm-hmm. you know, without was question. He, what was the age gap? Six years. Okay. But he was six he, years your senior? Six years my senior. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we moved in within a month. Like we were engaged. Meeting. Uh huh. Okay. We were engaged within two months. What I is met the his lesbian family. is going on? Baby, you know, that's the the U Haul. The U Haul came, literally. <laughs> he, he took me to Jackson's house and was like, oh, he's coming with me. Okay. Um, mm. What was I saying? You were uh, telling your story of how when he you was physically in. abusive. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. okay. Um, so it was it was one of those things where we it was like opposites attract, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you saw us together, it was a very odd couple. Yeah. And he knew that I was attracted. I have, I have a type. And I've had a type since I was a kid. We all do. Mm-hmm. And it's him. Hi, African king. Um, <laughs> and, security and every time us. someone like a, a beautiful chocolate man would walk by, he would literally like cheat his eyes to see if I'd look the mm-hmm. direction. And, and you I, would look. And, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm just admiring. I know where my cake right. is. I know who butters yeah. my bread. Literally, he would like sock me against the head. Whoa. I would hit the window. The What caused the relationship to break was we were at a family gathering. I always hung out with his side of the family because I didn't really have one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were at, like, at a drink drinking situation. Everyone's getting super fucked up. And he, I didn't know that that night I met his like high school girlfriend at the, okay. it was like a little small town that they lived in. Mm-hmm. I met his high school girlfriend and I kept trying to tell her to take a shot and she was being such a bitch and everyone else was so kind. So it didn't make sense to me. I was like, just please take a shot with me. She's like, no, 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 whatever. So he snatches me into the bathroom and he was like, what the fuck is your problem? And I'm like, I just wanted her to take a shot. Everyone else took a shot. Right, we're having a good time. And he was like, God damn You're it. You're trying that. to break the ice and, and, bond, and see what, what this girl's I issue know. is. I am the only Afro-Italian in this room. Can I I'm yeah. trying to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. bond with some folks? He whooped my ass into the tub. We messed up the bathroom. So then we were asked to leave. So already his sister and his sister's uh fiance was like yo you guys need to chill we're gonna go to the cousin spot we go to the cousin spot we get there first and then everyone kind of walks in and says we're gonna do a beer run we're gonna do beer run me and this one need to talk i'm like jesus christ before the door even shuts my head goes through the white wall oh my god they turn around something brought them back and my head is still in the white wall i saw the inside of the wall and i saw myra walk in yeah. And then they were like, what is when they go, mijo, walk? And I was just like, oh, my, oh God. my God. And when his sister said, you guys can work this out. You guys can work Child. this out. Oh, I no, called no. Jackson and I was like, come and get me. Come we get were me. outside yeah. of Sacramento in this little small town called Woodland. So when did you Baby. all, when did, okay, so that was the final straw. When did you all uh, officially split? Like, that was interesting. I was 23. I was kind of ending so my you were married for four years was this four years for you 
18, at the end of 18, 18 we married. And, and you, like 19, 20, divorcing by 23. Gotcha. So it was like two and a half years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of, at, by 23, I was thriving in my career with Mac at Macy's downtown Sacramento. And oh, so you've been there for a while. I've been with them 20 years. Whoa. Um, so Come on, 401k. I'm trying to tell you. Um, <laughs> you're looking at it. <laughs> Promise. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and working with Mac helped keep you off of the streets and, and, and helped you from doing other things. I am for survival. I, right? Carlisha is who she is by way of systematic privilege, and I'll never forget that. Yes. I'm mm-hmm. never shy to say that. Yeah. My story is not like the the typical transgender woman, which is why I advocate the way I do. Yes. Yeah. Same. Hallelujah. Um, (laughs) So me and him were in just this weird space. It was very clear that we weren't working out. And I started staying back at Jackson's. This fool was so crazy that he bought me another apartment, moved me into it, but was, (laughs) but was friends with the property owner. So he would have access to it. So the end of the relationship was so complicated that he would like be at my house. I would get off of work and it just got to the point where I like was, in your in your house, yeah. Like you would in turn, your unit. you would turn the key, and he's sitting on the couch. He would be on my bed. Mm-hmm. Whoa! There was one time I brought a guy home. He chased <gasps> the guy out. Oh my yeah. dear God! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe this is this is very crazy. Colorful. You're very very, very strong person. Thank you. Because a lot of people would not be able to be standing here today with all but of that. But you know what? The reason and why I would have been fearful of him. If you're physically abused, like what's the next step? Now you in my house, like, I would have mm-hmm. been like... You ain't never lied, but I always say that my thought process is because I've been to hell and back. I yeah. literally went to hell and I vacationed like there some... several times. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting how every time I've been put, whether it's molestation, whether it's rape, whether it's abuse, like, I don't know the, the defense mechanism that I, I've created for myself, but it's almost like I go into autopilot and it wasn't until my 30s when I literally when I tell you I went to hell and apparently I bought property there because like you were saying earlier I almost I literally was like either I'm committing suicide or I want this fucking pain to stop because it it got to the point where it was so Mm -hmm. noisy this is like enough like this story just reminded me of Jennifer Lopez's movie enough yeah to literally get away so let's fast forward Mm post-divorce you are now in Los Angeles at 23 Uh, well what happened was I ended up dating this other boy and me and him were having our own issues plus the issues of my ex so I ended up transition not transitioning promoting to Mac Pro in San Francisco so I completely changed career paths I changed cities Mm mm-hmm and then that was like, that's and when the it, chapter changed. And then right before your 27th birthday, you transitioned. So yes. walk me through what was your breaking right. point to making that, that leap. So to fast forward through it all, I got Mac Pro in San Francisco, which was like the highest level of retail that you could work for Mac Cosmetics. So I was mm. working with like the creme de la creme of the industry for San Francisco. It's a very small pond. So I wanted bigger and more. I moved to Los Angeles and here it was just so different because not everyone knows me and I'm literally here trying to make my own name. It was interesting because I wanted to be in the industry, but something was holding me back. So I decided to dive into working with Mac. And the next thing you know, like with the way that I looked and the way that I hustle, I was able to go up the corporate ladder and I became a manager at Century City. 
And it was like all the ducks were in a row. Mm-hmm. I got my condo, new car, new right. job. Mm-hmm. I have my team of six, prestige location. Like my body was great. The ab game, the pecs. Like yeah. mm-hmm. he was fucking hot. Like if I showed you a picture, Carlin was fucking yeah. hot. Like I would fuck Carlin. And fit the aesthetic period. of mm-hmm. yeah, that Hollywood aesthetic. Baby, and that's just that on that. So it got to the point where I remember come literally, I came home from like a day at work and I had this big mirror leaning against the wall and I looked in it and I felt like I couldn't hide the lie anymore. It was, mm-hmm. it's the, it was so, I don't want to cry. It was just so heavy where I just felt like I'm ready to take the drag off. I'm ready yeah. to stop take creating off this, this yeah. person. Yeah. And I felt like people were so bought into this man. And I felt like I had to well, create had, like, this man. image. Like you had, you were oh, living the quote unquote dream. When yeah. I tell you, I literally would freak. I would listen to myself. Like I would have a conversation with you, but I wouldn't be listening to you. I'd be listening to the, like the mm-hmm. fluctuation in yeah. my voice. I'd be paying attention to my wrist. You were cognizant of it all because yeah. of oh your childhood. Oh my God, this shit was wild and it was heavy. And I broke down to my knees. I just started crying and crying and crying. And I just was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And I literally heard myself say, fuck it, put a dress on. Mm. Wow. And that 185-pound fool put a dress on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I, no, I didn't have a dress. I had a piece of gold sparkle that we use for, like, events. Mm-hmm. I made a wrap dress. Honey, I pulled out all my makeup. I did my face. And I looked in the mirror. And I was like, I don't. This is who I am. I didn't know it. I, I look crazy. Mm-hmm. I look like your uncle, like playing in your mm-hmm. sister's stuff. Where I looked crazy with immaculate I, makeup because right. you're a Mac Pro artist. Right. So <laughs> you should see her right now. <sighs> yes, this looks like a very Euphoria-inspired look. Mm-hmm. I know. Red carpet ready. I knew. Um, and from that moment, like I remember going to work the next day. I promised myself that day that I was gonna at least see what that felt like or what that even looked like for yeah. me. But my fear was losing my career. Yes. Mm-hmm. I go home, I go to my job and I talk to my corporate head and they're like, you just seem off today. What's going on? And I was like, okay, so listen, I have something to tell you. Her first response is you got a girl pregnant. <laughs> because so you, Carlin, that's how deep oh. she was into that persona. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like the Period. The period. The knee-jerk reaction was... She was like, you got a girl pregnant. And literally, I had women in love with me. I would be doing your makeup and to hustle a tip out of you, I would put my dick on your knee. Baby, the psychology of it all. When I tell (laughs) you... I'm sure a lot of barbers work in that way, too. exactly. Uh, uh, (laughs) I literally had... um, uh, Like a Beverly Hills housewife that would... She gave me her car. She had an extra car. Literally, she gave me her car. I was driving her car. What? Okay. I would go over her house. We would do strip teases. We we would act like we were crawling through marshmallows, and I'd be half naked, and she'd be sitting there eating pretzels, just fucking watching me. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Yeah. (laughs) Who said that? Me. Okay, because it was true. We made uh, (laughs) we made weed brownies and would sprinkle Viking and powder on it. Biopic. Wait, 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 wait. You made. We brownies, brownies and we sprinkle Vicodin on top. You like, have lived. I mean, not to take away from anyone else's experiences, but like you have lived. Okay, so not only has she lived, she's flourished, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so s- that woman was 
also someone who I ended up losing in the transition. It was crazy because, like I was saying, all these people were so bought into this persona and they were so close to this. Wait, you lost her ashlight and she died? No. No, she became uninterested. Oh. Because everyone was so bought in to Carlin's persona. Wow. What I learned in that moment is people didn't love me as an individual. They loved this idea that I projected. Wow. They liked this hyper-masculine person, right? And a lot of people, that is why, you know, taking the leap to, to walk in your authentic self in transition um, is is so stressful, can be so stressful because you can never predict who's going to stick around and who's going to leave. Mm-hmm. You think you may have an idea, but like I lost a childhood best friend um, in, in it. Like she wasn't being overtly transphobic, but she had transphobic subtext that I just was like, I can't subscribe to this. And so we are no longer friends to this day. We are. I'm the godmother of her child, and we do not speak. Wow. Sis, so, I literally came up with a catchphrase. And she's the last person I thought that would have. You know, I thought my girlfriends were. We Typical. Were, we've been yeah. friends since middle school. Mm-hmm. And it's always the ones. Because yeah. literally, that's who she was. But what I learned in that moment was you will, you will lose many, but you gain yourself. Yep. Amen. And, that, and it's it's so interesting how I waited 27 years because of that fear. Yeah. I thought that I needed to have so many people's buy-in by way of all this trauma, everything that I had been through. I just needed someone to fucking love me. But what I didn't realize was the moment I started loving myself mm-hmm. was the moment I started finding right my people. voice. I started yeah. finding my truth. I didn't start flourishing in my career with Mac till the last four years. And that's when I started really saying... I'm going to be my authentic self. I'm no longer following a blueprint. I like It's so insane when you fully understand that you have to strip down to damn yeah. near nothing to learn yourself, to understand who you are. And then in learning yourself, you learn your position and your purpose, which brings you back to service. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that... Uh of course, that like uh, like we mentioned earlier, that that was not easy. I kind of forgot my question just now, but <laughs> I wanted to because you come from a very fortunate stance in that you work in cosmetics, you work yeah. in makeup. So walk us through, I guess, what it was like transitioning on the job. Because like yeah. for example, that was interesting. When so- I transitioned, for example, um, I was not working. I, you know, I, w- I was fresh home from college and I was living by the grace of God with my mom. And I was not working in in the time that I had started my transition. And so by the time I was able to, because everything happened very fast for me, like within six months, hormones, Mm -hmm. name change, Mm -hmm. gender marker. So by the time I was able to launch into the next step or the next job that I wanted to, I was able to present her. my, I was her, mm-hmm. but I still had that nervousness because if they call and check references, you know, some jobs never, oh, yeah. never call and check references, mm-hmm. but if they call, there will be no, nothing on record for, Char. for sure, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, but I, I, yet and still she persisted, you mm-hmm. know? So how, how was that? Because you were employed, you did not change jobs. And you said that so many people have become so accustomed to this high Super masculine, super attractive man. man. So how was that with your clients coming in and now all of a sudden? It was challenging. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's interesting because had I started transitioning at 18 and went on the, which probably should have been my appropriate journey, mm-hmm. I would be a much different woman. But because of this, going into this uh, like hyper-masculine journey of trying to hide everything and who I was, 
I had to undo a lot, which made it very hard. Mm -hmm. So, again, I was 185 pounds. And I am a manager of the biggest cosmetic brand in the world. I am in Century City, which is like bougier than Beverly Hills. Yeah. And I am dealing with the creme de la creme of consumer. Mm -hmm. It was painful. Mm. It started with just like a little bit of makeup. And mind you, that was not Carlin's character. Carlin was that well-groomed gay guy that you would go. Who might just wear some concealer. Might. Maybe. Okay. Right. Because, you know, I don't want people thinking any, yeah. you know what I'm yeah, saying. Because, yeah. you know, come on, Molly, let's go on a break together. You know what I'm saying? Like the one that dressed really well, smelled, yeah. you know. And the next thing you know, there was a little bit of concealer uh-huh. then there was a little cream blush then there was a little cream highlighter then the brow started getting snatched and everyone started like staring at me and mind you i was still taking the estrogen so even features started softening mm-hmm. up. oh yes fat started redistributing <laughs> in your face <laughs> the next thing you know someone walked up and said we can see it and the moment they said that the next day I came up in geesh because at first it was like a baggy t-shirt and tights and like a slip. But your nipples are protruding through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, I was like, let me just do it. I got a little short Rihanna haircut. Okay. But it was Come still on, really challenging. But I had to, and it's so interesting because in the beginning, when you think about becoming transgender, you just think about your identity and who you are. And the moment I started stepping into it, I realized there was also the complexities of how people perceived me Absolutely. in this new Mm -hmm. This new world of how men dealt with me being a gay boy for so long Mm -hmm. and the interactions I would have with men as a gay boy. And even at the level of perversion, it was there still was some sort of sick respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. When I was transitioning, the stuff men would utter to me, assuming I'm okay with it or not even their toxic masculinity being okay to project their bullshit on me and me having to take it because I really can't call on anyone to help me because I'm already like the topic of discussion anywhere. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. I'll never forget. We had a corporate visit and this gentleman walks up and we're like in front of blushes or something. And he walked up, he goes, Oh, so you sell makeup. Okay. And I was literally, I looked at my boss and she was like, let it go. And he was like, Oh, aren't you a tall glass of chocolate milk? And I looked at him and I looked back at her and she was, and he goes, I bet it's a big glass of chocolate milk. And she goes, you need to go now. Whoa. You are out of order. But the- out of order, <laughs> out of order. But it's one of those things like that is nothing compared to the type of perversions that will show up in your DM. But it was interesting for my boss to see it. Yeah. She was yeah. like, you don't just, and it's so interesting working in a system. great to have allies. It yeah. is, but it's just really interesting because they don't understand the complexities of our world. Yeah. So when you're like, oh, guys are always like that. They're basically trash. Mm-hmm. Well, they're like that with us too. But we it's get like, oh, we get the recycle trash. Like, and it's, it's a, a different level. Like men are, you know, when they know that you're trans, um, it's a different level of disrespect mm-hmm. that comes with that. You know, um, I feel that cis women, um, they get harassed. They get heckled. This is not taking anything away from anyone's walk right. or journey. Absolutely. But if a man knows that you are trans, honey, all bets are out of the window mm-hmm. and the perversion jumps out. And disrespect. At, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, <laughs> let, let, me t- let me tell you. She jumped I'm over rec- a I, I did, honey. I am an agreeance. <laughs> I recently started doing dating apps. Like I'm feeling Ooh. my millennial That's moment. That's a whole other right? episode. Mm-hmm. I'm in my millennial moment. 
And it's interesting to your point that once they find out that you're trans, the whole energy changes. So in my bio, it states that I'm trans, Mm -hmm. right? There's just pictures and, you know, most people don't read. Absolutely. So they'll get engaged in the conversation and I'll be going back and forth with them. And it's so fucked up that if it's too romantic... I know they don't know. Yeah. 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 That's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's so nuts that I'll sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, I enjoy this. Oh, God, that would sound fun. Yeah, that would be a great vacation. Oh, yeah. my God. We haven't even met. You would really wait. You must not. Did know. you read the yeah. bio? No. Nah, what's it say? I'm going to let you go read it. Why are you asking me what it says when you can go swipe and read it? And then you're blocked. Yeah. yeah so it, or it, go ahead. Go ahead. It turns into a fetish. Or all of a sudden it's, oh, well, I never didn't. Let me come over and yes. see what you look like in yeah. person. That's my main thing that I, I cannot yeah. live on dating apps. I delete them if, if I download them. Because sometimes, you know, a girl does need to be affirmed. Um, I will download them. <laughs> and they do not last more than 24 hours. Because I'm not someone, I've never put that I was trans in my bio or whatever. But I go back and forth with it. Because I'd be like, you know, do I, I don't owe you my story. And it's like, but it's best to just rip the band-aid off. Because I know I've been on the other end of that. Where he doesn't know. Or it's unclear. It's unspoken. Yeah. Spoken, and then as real as rain, and then honey, he, what I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> as real as rain, Shut honey. Up. He, uh, it could be something of it being unspoken. I've been on that end where I have assumed that he knows, but it has not been made clear. And then he don't know. Like I've been on on the receiving end of that a lot of times, actually. That's so, only happened to me, like on less than these many fingers. Yeah, but. I've had that, to pull back. It's interesting. Because that has been my experience. My experience has been like you, you like you said, that was a golden moment. If it's too romantic, he doesn't know, which is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because that is what it's it's gone from let's go out on a on a date. I want to pursue you, I want to show you what I can bring to, to the can table. Can you do a split on the dick? Mm-hmm. What that throw two dip. seconds. Yeah. 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 So let me see it. Yeah. It's it's uh, why am I an object and why are you ordering me and how much is in your bank account right now since you want to treat me like awful. the a hoe since you want to treat me like a product can you afford it right <laughs> <laughs> this purr is killing me so to wrap things up in what ways has have Mac Cosmetics changed your life I know that Mac sponsored or had some involvement with the documentary which I did watch on Showtime it came out two years ago mm-hmm. more than tea. Um, and you have, you, you've been the face of Viva Glam for their 25th anniversary. So in what ways, it sounds like it's been a beneficial relationship with you and, and Mac In what it's, ways has it, has it shown up for you and changed your life as a corporation? Uh, it, Mac has been the longest relationship I know. Oh. And in understanding that I grew up with this company, I was, uh, in my late 18s, about to be 19 and like, I was a wild, a wild young man, not feeling a part of something, almost like my entire life feeling like a black sheep. And mm-hmm. a- aside from gender, aside from sexuality, I was just a very eclectic, colorful kid, you mm-hmm. know? And I went from being the black sheep to finding a family or a community of yeah. black sheep, which yeah. was really cool. And in that, Um, in theory, my trajectory, had I not ended up with Mac, um, the year before I found Mac Cosmetics, I was literally battling a case of, um, Grand Larson. I was out of control Mm -hmm. and, um, I was just on the wrong path and it was just so crazy how quickly my life shifted 
and all these people just invested in me. Yeah. It was a really it's unique a feeling mm-hmm. for someone to say, hey, I want you to do that again, but try it like this, or try using this word, or present yourself this way, or maybe dress like this. And it was just so crazy that someone took the time to give me, you know, the attention that I rightfully deserved. And from that, I grew so much because I finally found confidence. I found, you know, my posture and I found my voice. And from the journey up into the transition, that was powerful in itself. But once I transitioned, that support that I felt with that community, because being trans, being queer, gender non-binary, like we were so ahead of that. Yeah. Like really, literally in thinking about me transitioning and my boss said, why would you worry about us hi- like firing? You weren't like, at the Boy first, Scouts. You're right. Our first spokesperson <laughs> was RuPaul. That was literally yeah. what yeah. she said. Like, why would you worry about that? Because it's because different. It's, right. If I'm if I'm in you know a smaller town, Mac, it might be a little bit different. Oh, and and Mac literally. shows up. What I love about Mac uh, personally is I feel like it's a rite of passage specifically for so many Black girls. Hmm. It's a rite. Like everybody remembers their first Mac product that was like you know it's all the rave to get your little lip glass or your um what is it the what's the powder that i like uh studio fix yes the studio fix powder <laughs> i feel like that's a rite of passage like it is. most black girls who dabble in makeup uh-huh. or even well, when you, because we've been about inclusion since day one then, yeah it was never a trendy thing for us it's never been you know a way to you know, grow, grow the, the bank it was literally wanted what i love about the company is the original creators frank and frank <laughs> they were they were innovators in a time that where they were dealing with AIDS and HIV during a time when they didn't know what to do. So yeah. all that they could do was look at each other and said, let's create at least some funding. Mm-hmm. And that's how they came up with the lipstick. The lipstick was not, let's, you know, get a tax write-off. It was literally, how do we help our friends who are one day on set and the next day we're burying them? Mm-hmm. So just under, like... The base of Mac is so grassroots. So once I transitioned and and I was finally in this place where after going to one church and finding my voice and finally getting to a space where I felt confident that when they wanted to do a story, uh, a documentary telling different trans stories and they were like, if you want. Mm-hmm. And you were like, hey, was, yeah. No, yeah. I wasn't. Really? Uh, because I, of that level of visibility? It was, I didn't want to tell I didn't want to tell a lie. Mm. It would be too easy. You guys want to do a documentary oh, and you're but paying for like everything. Cover, right. I could have spun that fucking story any way I wanted. And I yeah. was struggling with how real do I want to be. Yeah. But being me, I have to tell the truth. Has, has the documentary opened new doors for you? That's like exactly that visibility? That mo- the moment the documentary came out was the moment my life changed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like it started the unpacking because even then I hadn't fully dealt with the rape. So talking about it on that platform yeah. and then mm-hmm. watching it and hearing how it had changed people or helped people or people all of a sudden jumping yeah, people in. coming like, to you yeah it was so crazy that me purging was helping others so it was like i literally felt like mac positioned me to understand my calling and now yeah. they're supporting me and giving back which is nuts every time that we've had something where it's in the lgbtq community they're like carlisha this is like the language you speak you know how to best support us lead us and to think that i was just this crazy teen mm-hmm. yeah. who was out here being insane it's and all of a sudden I'm literally sitting with uh, like HR in New York talking about the proper ways to navigate through a right. trans like non-gender yeah. conforming situation, the appropriate verbiage, and like they're looking to me. Yeah. I'm like, what the 
happening? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was the um the head of our pride parade in New York for uh what was this World year? Pride. World Pride, mm-hmm. but it was also 50 years of Stonewall. Oh, Stonewall. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was so nuts to literally be on a mic in front of this huge float. I'm introducing Tiana Taylor behind me, but I would say like Mac has been around since 1981 and we've been around, we've, we've stood in inclusion since day one and the crowd would literally erupt and I would introduce myself. They don't know who I am, but just the love yeah. I, I felt. Oh, thank you, Queen. But just the love I mm-hmm. felt and the vibration, like yeah. literally from that moment, I was like, you guys keep putting me in these spaces yeah. where it's just love and it's nuts. Working with the kids, it's love. Yeah, Being it's on like ground love. zero, it's love. Mm-hmm. I would rather be at ground zero in the gutter with my people than sitting on Rodeo sipping like Moet because mm-hmm. it, that's not real. Right. And they have literally, a, like I work in the bougiest field. Mm-hmm. We're in the beauty industry, but it has taught me to be raw and real and open and unpack. It's crazy. And you give back, which is great. We want to thank you for joining us, Carlisha. Yeah, thank you. And thank, thank you for sharing. Thank you for opening up and being so raw and transparent mm. and sharing your story. I'm sure that you helped a lot of people. Our listeners mm-hmm. are going to love you for this. Thank it's you. I know mm-hmm. that I do. Yeah, because what a tale! Mm-hmm. My God, what a what a story! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was one that. And I you know what? You guys are the only ones with it. Oh. Wow, really? No, I've never a KT told exclusive. it. Exclusive. I, I mean, that. honestly, I want to read the book. Yeah I, book. yeah, I want a book. I want a book. No, like, for real, because, like, your, your journey, your story, like, you're such, like, the energy that you give off. Because, like, I've, I met you a couple years ago, and we've actually spoken on panels together. Um, and, like, you are a powerhouse. I heard about you before I even met you through my friend Chris. Yes. And he was just like, you know, like, she's dope, she's dope, da-da-da. And then Ivan as well. So I respect you. I appreciate oh, you. Oh, wow. Thank and you. You're the shit. You are feelings mutual. Mm -hmm. Yes, queen. Let's move on to the KT kudos and get up out of here. Come on, black people. All right, time for the kiss and tell kudos. So this week's KAT kudos goes to Travis Coles, who is starring as Miss Elijah, who's a gender nonconforming character, making history on August 14th. Only on the OWN Network. You know, that's the Oprah Winfrey Network. And Elijah, well, Miss Elijah, the character, um, stars in David Makes a Man. Here's a little blurb about it via The Hollywood Reporter. The illuminating power of the moon mythic or otherwise is clearly something that fascinates David Makes a Man creator Terrell Alvin McCraney, Mm -hmm. who shared an Oscar for co-writing Moonlight. Based on his play In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue, Threads from that work and Hayden's poem run through David Makes a Man, which casts a variety of light and shadow on a coming-of-age story that, in its context, becomes something much harder to define. Through three episodes of the drama, the hour-long pilot premiered this weekend. Well, this was when it premiered at South by Southwest. Ahead of its summer premiere, it premieres next Wednesday, y'all. August 14th on OWN. David Makes a Man is hard to quantify as an ongoing TV series because it's such a familiar genre. But what I've been reading the reviews overall is that this is going to be groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. You know, I just watched a special. Oprah just sat down and and did a special where she interviewed every member of the cast. And she just, I think she described it as poetry on screen. Yeah. So, and what, from what I've seen the clips, it actually looks like Mm -hmm. moonlight. Yeah. Like the school that they're in, the projects Mm -hmm. that they're in. 
I'm looking forward to it. And I have to shout out uh, Travis, who plays Miss Elijah, because the clips that I've seen have, have kind of reminded me of Lafayette from True Blood, but okay. a little, you know, with, with a little pray tell, mm-hmm. but with the little makeup, you know, mm-hmm. with, with a lash, little maybe. Do y'all ever get sick of all of our, like, breakthrough moments in Hollywood always have to be stories of trauma? Yeah. I think that's another reason why. I'm sick of it on, mm-hmm. on all fronts. On the black front, on the Queer LGBT. Front, yes. Yeah. I'm sick of it on all fronts. But not I have a heart. Like, I, I literally just them. watched Moonlight because okay. I was like, another broken black gay man yeah. story. Like, yeah. I'm done. Well, hopefully. But it was incredible. I just, yeah. I just want to say it was incredible. <laughs> but just For the record. Hopefully, we will get record. away from that. We, we need a rom com. Yeah, you know? I want all. Mm-hmm. I want a, a a Bridget Jones diary. Like I want those yeah. style of movies, and it, since it can be an all white cast and that be considered American, I think an all black cast can be considered American. Mm-hmm. All Latin cast can yep. be considered American, but yep. they always have to position us in certain ways, or we have to like become these characters in order for us to sell. I mean, it's like break them all. What that slave movie that won an Oscar? Or oh. Which traumatized me. I'm done. I saw it in theaters and it was like I made the mistake of going, I think it was like a midnight showing. Um, I was up all night mm-hmm. in the fetal position, crying, shaking. That movie. Oh my god, that But those movie. are always the groundbreaking movies. Oh yeah, just like this is us. So profound. Mm-hmm. Literally, I felt sick after. That does oh, not yeah. feel good to me. This like is well, us. you know what? Uh, uh, no, she means uh the Ava DuVernay when Oh, got you, got you, got you. When the they Central see Park us. When, when they, they see, see us. us. Yeah, yeah. So when with that, with certain things, I feel like a lot of those uh traumatic storylines are not for us. They're for other audiences. Yeah, to I agree. grasp yep. and help humanize and and and. But we watch it. We do, but I that's. I did not watch. That. You didn't watch when they see us. I saw the first episode. I can't. Oh, get you past gotta it. watch the f- the. F- I was about to say part four. You gotta see oh uh, my God, Jerome. I, what's his name? The guy from Moonlight. Yeah. Jerome. You, oh, is it? You missed his performance in the fourth part. I did. Isis King you is have to, I, uh-huh. Yes, yeah. you she have to see it. laid it. The way that they layered in all the complexities my of the my God, like, the black continuum. To watch no. I, I will. I will get around to it. Yeah, part I two. totally understand. Soon. I totally it was just understand. A lot. It is part a lot. Two, it's hard to watch. Part two isn't that bad. Part two is the one where they're in the court, and it, it's not that bad. It's not as part one was jarring, but I think that was Ava's point mm-hmm. to put it in your face. This is a true story. This really happens. It continues to happen. It's Still happened in happening. the past, you know. And so I just feel like a lot of these things, while they are very traumatic, uh, they're not always for us uh, as the uh, for the audience. But I agree with that. I have to watch them because it aligns with my profession. I got to tell the people what I saw. Mm. Um, but yes. And I know that's right. So this premieres, this show, David Makes Man, premieres on August 14th, which is this upcoming Wednesday night on OWN. Check it out. I'll be watching the premiere. And of course, we're going to talk about it. Will we talk about it next? The week after next. Because we'll after, be recording yeah. while it's on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll talk about it then and I'll tweet about it. So yeah, that's all I have for this week's episode. Amen. Same. Where can we find you? I'm sure you're going to get a lot of um, emails and What's your whatnot. socials? You're not on Twitter, right? No Twitter. Okay. Um, but I, you're on the gram. I'm on the gram. It is Carlisha underscore Giselle. Spell Carlisha. C-A-R-L-I-S-H-A underscore Giselle. Mm-hmm. G-I-Z-E-L-L-E. Mm-hmm. Like Potomac. And <laughs> that's, how she, that's how she spells her Giselle. I love it. That's true. Giselle Bryant. <laughs> and then uh, you can find me on Facebook at Carlisha Brown. All awesome. right. Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to get out of here. I feel me. like this is a super long episode, but it's worth every minute. Um, you can find Jace everywhere at Jace Barron, and you can find me everywhere at Char Says So. And until next week, 
I love us for real. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.